0: Section five of the Minister's Wooing. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Minister's Wooing by Harriet Beecher Stowe. Chapter four, part two. Mary was vexed to feel the blood boil up in her cheeks in a most unexpected and provoking way at the suggestion whereat mrs twitchell nodded knowingly at mrs jones and whispered something in a mysterious aside to which plump mrs jones answered why do tell now i never it's strange said mrs twitchell taking up her parable again in such a plaintive tone that all knew something pathetic was coming what mistakes some folks will make a fetchin up girls now there's your mary miss scudder why there's ain't nothin she can't do but law i was down to miss skinner's last week a watchin with her and really it most broke my heart to see her her mother was a most amazin smart woman but she brought sukey up for all the world as if she'd been a wax doll to be kept in the drawer and sure enough she was a pretty creature and now she's married what is she she hain't no more idee how to take hold than nothin the poor child means well enough and she works so hard she most kills herself but then she is in the suds from morning till night she's one of the sort whose work's never done and poor george skinner's clean discouraged there's everything in knowing how said mrs gady nobody ought to be always working it's a bad sign i tell mary always do up your work in the forenoon girls must learn that i never work afternoons after my dinner-dishes are got away i never did and never would nor i neither chimed in mrs jones and mrs twichell both anxious to show themselves clear on this leading point of new england housekeeping there's another thing i always tell mary said mrs katy impressively never say there isn't time for a thing that ought to be done if a thing is necessary why, life is long enough to find a place for it. That's my doctrine. When anybody tells me they can't find time for this or that, I don't think much of them. I think they don't know how to work, that's all. Here Mrs. Twitchell looked up from her knitting with apologetic giggle at Mrs. Brown. Law, now, there's Miss Brown. She don't know nothing about it, because she's got her servants to every turn. I suppose she thinks it queer to hear us talking about our work. Miss Brown must have her time all to herself. I was telling the deacon the other day that she was a privileged woman. I'm sure those that have servants find work enough following them around, said Mrs. Brown, who, like all other human beings, resented the implication of not having as many trials in life as her neighbours. As to getting the work done up in the forenoon, that's a thing I never can teach them, they'd rather not chloe likes to keep her work round and do it by snacks any time day or night when the notion takes her and it was just for that reason i never would have one of those creatures round said mrs katy mr scudder was principled against buying negroes but if he had not been i should not have wanted any of their work i know what's to be done and most help is no help to me i want people to stand out of my way and let me get done i've tried keeping a girl once or twice and i never worked so hard in my life when mary and i do all ourselves we can calculate everything to a minute and we get our time to sew and read and spin and visit and live just as we want to here again mrs brown looked uneasy to what use was it that she was rich and owned servants when this mordecai in her gate utterly despised her prosperity in her secret heart she thought mrs katy must be envious and rather comforted herself on this view of the subject sweetly unconscious of any inconsistency in the feeling with her views of utter self-abnegation just announced meanwhile the tea-table had been silently gathering on its snowy plateau the delicate china the golden butter the loaf of faultless cake a plate of crullers or wonders as a sort of sweet-fried cake was commonly called tea-rusks light as a puff and shining on top with a varnish of eggs jellies of apple and quince quivering in amber clearness whitest and purest honey in the comb in short everything that could go to the getting up of a most faultless tea i don't see said mrs jones resuming the gentle peans of the occasion how miss scudder's loaf-cake always comes out just so it don't rise neither to one side nor t'other but just even all round and it ended ant white one side and burnt the other but just a good brown all over and it don't have any heavy streak in it just what cerinthy ann was saying the other day said mrs twichell she says she can't never be sure how hers is a-comin out do what she can it will be either too much or too little but miss scudders is always just so law says i cerinthy ann it's faculty that's it them that has it has it and them that hasn't why they've got to work hard and not do half so well neither mrs katy took all these praises as matter of course since she was thirteen years old she had never put her hand to anything that she had not been held to do better than other folks and therefore she accepted her praises with the quiet repose and serenity of assured reputation though of course she used the usual polite disclaimers of oh it's nothing nothing at all i'm sure i don't know how i do it and was not aware it was so good and so on all which things are proper for gentlewomen to observe in like cases in every walk of life do you think the deacon will be along soon said mrs katy when mary returning from the kitchen announced the important fact that the tea-kettle was boiling why yes said mrs twichell i'm a lookin for him every minute he told me that he and the men should be plantin up to the eight-acre lot but he'd keep the colt up there to come down on and so i laid him out a clean shirt and says now father you be sure and be there by five so that miss Scudder may know when to put her tea a-drawn there he is i believe she added as a horse's tramp was heard without and after a few moments the desired deacon entered he was a gentle soft-spoken man low sinewy thin with black hair showing lines and patches of silver his keen thoughtful dark eye marked the nervous and melancholic temperament a mild and pensive humility of manner seemed to brood over him like the shadow of a cloud everything in his dress air and motions indicated punctilious exactness and accuracy at times rising to the point of nervous anxiety immediately after the bustle of his entrance had subsided mr simeon brown followed he was a tall lank individual with high cheek-bones thin sharp features small keen hard eyes and large hands and feet simeon was as we have before remarked a keen theologian and had the scent of a hound for a metaphysical distinction true he was a man of business being a thriving trader to the coast of africa whence he imported negroes for the american market and no man was held to understand that branch of traffic better he having in his earlier days commanded ships in the business and thus learned it from the root in his private life simeon was severe and dictatorial he was one of that class of people who, of a freezing day, will plant themselves directly between you and the fire, and there stand and argue to prove that selfishness is the root of moral evil. Simeon said he always had thought so, and his neighbors sometimes supposed that nobody could enjoy better experimental advantages for understanding the subject he was one of those men who suppose themselves submissive to the divine will to the uttermost extent demanded by the extreme theology of that day simply because they have no nerves to feel no imagination to conceive what endless happiness or suffering is and who deal therefore with the great question of the salvation or damnation of myriads as a problem of theological algebra to be worked out by their inevitable xyz but we must not spend too much time with our analysis of character for matters at the tea-table are drawing to a crisis mrs jones has announced that she does not think he can come this afternoon by which significant mode of expression she conveyed the dutiful idea that there was for her but one male person in the world and now mrs katy says mary dear knock at the doctor's door and tell him that tea is ready the doctor was sitting in his shady study in the room on the other side of the little entry the windows were dark and fragrant with the shade and perfume of blossoming lilacs whose tremulous shadow mingled with spots of afternoon sunlight danced on the scattered papers of a great writing-table covered with pamphlets and heavily bound volumes of theology where the doctor was sitting a man of gigantic proportions over six feet in height and built every way with an amplitude corresponding to his height sitting bent over his writing so absorbed that he did not hear the gentle sound of mary's entrance doctor said the maiden gently tea is ready no motion no sound except the quick tracing of the pen over the paper doctor doctor a little louder and with another step into the apartment tea is ready the doctor stretched his head forward to a paper which lay before him and responded in a low murmuring voice as reading something firstly if underived virtue be peculiar to the deity can it be the duty of a creature to have it here a little waxen hand came with a very gentle tap on his huge shoulder and dr t is ready penetrated drowsily to the nerve of his ear as a sound heard in sleep he rose suddenly with a start opened a pair of great blue eyes which shone abstractedly under the dome of a capacious and lofty forehead and fixed them on the maiden who by this time was looking up rather archly and yet with an attitude of the most profound respect while her venerated friend was assembling together his earthly faculties tea is ready if you please mother wished me to call you oh ah yes indeed he said looking confusedly about and starting for the door in his study gown if you please sir said mary standing in his way would you not like to put on your coat and wig the doctor gave a hurried glance at his study-gown put his hand to his head which in place of the ample curls of his full-bottomed wig was decked only with a very ordinary cap and seemed to come at once to full comprehension he smiled a kind of conscious benignant smile which adorned his high cheek-bones and hard features as sunshine adorns the side of a rock and said kindly ah well child i understand now i'll be out in a moment and mary sure that he was now on the right track went back to the tea-room with the announcement that the doctor was coming in a few moments he entered majestic and proper in all the dignity of full-bottomed powdered wig full flowing coat with ample cuffs silver knee and shoe buckles as became the gravity and majesty of the minister of those days he saluted all the company with a benignity which had a touch of the majestic and also of the rustic in it for at heart the doctor was a bashful man that is he had somewhere in his mental camp that treacherous fellow whom john bunyan anathematizes under the name of shame the company rose on his entrance the men bowed and the women curtsied and all remained standing while he addressed to each with punctilious decorum those inquiries in regard to health and well-being which preface a social interview then at a dignified sigh from mrs katy he advanced to the table and all following his example stood while with one hand uplifted he went through a devotional exercise which for length more resembled a prayer than a grace after which the company were seated well doctor said mr brown who as a householder of substance felt a conscious right to be first in open conversation with the minister people are beginning to make a noise about your views i was talking with deacon timmins the other day down on the wharf and he said dr styles said that it was entirely new doctrine entirely so and for his part he wanted the good old ways they say so do they said the doctor kindling up from an abstraction into which he seemed to be gradually subsiding well let them i had rather publish new divinity than any other and the more of it the better if it be but true i should think it hardly worth while to write if i had nothing new to say well said deacon twichell his meek face flushing with awe of his minister doctor there's all sorts of things said about you now the other day i was at the mill with a load of corn and while i was awaitin' amariah wadsworth come along with his'n and so while we were waitin he says to me why they say your minister is gettin to be an arminian and he went on a tellin how old ma'am badger told him that you interpreted some parts of paul's epistles clear on the arminian side you know ma'am badger's a master-hand at doctrines and she's most an uncommon calvinist that does not frighten me at all said the sturdy doctor supposing i do interpret some texts like the arminians can't arminians have anything right about them who wouldn't rather go with the arminians when they are right than with the calvinists when they are wrong that's it you've hit it doctor said simeon brown that's what i always say i say don't he prove it and how are you going to answer him that gravels em well said deacon twichell brother seth you know brother seth he says you deny depravity he's all for imputation of adam's sin you know and i have long talks with seth about it every time he comes to see me and he says that if we did not sin in adam it's given up the whole ground altogether and then he insists you're clean wrong about the unregenerate doings not at all not in the least said the doctor promptly i wish seth could talk with you some time doctor along in the spring he was down helping me to lay stone fence it was when we was fencing off the south pasture lot and we talked pretty nigh all day and it really did seem to me that the longer we talked the sawder seth grew he's a master-hand at readin and when he heard that your remarks on dr mayhew had come out seth tackled up a purpose and come up to newport to get them and spent all his time last winter studying on it and makin his remarks and i tell you sir he's a tight fellow to argue with why that day what with layin stone wall and what with arguin with seth i come home quite beat out miss twichell will remember that he was said his helpmeet i member when he came home says i father you seem clean used up and i stirred round lively like to get him his tea but he just went into the bedroom and laid down afore supper and i says to cerinthe ann that's a thing i hadn't seen your father do since he was took with the typhus and Ann she said she knew twan't anything but them old doctrines that it was always so when uncle seth come down and after tea father was kinder chirked up a little and he and seth set by the fire and was a beginnin it again and i just spoke out and said now seth these air things doesn't hurt you but the deacon is weakly and if he gets his mind riled after supper he don't sleep none all night so says i you'd better jest let matters stop where they be cause says i twon't make no difference for to-night which on ye's got the right aunt, reckon the lord'll go on his own way without you and we shall find out by and by what that is mr scudder used to think a great deal on these points said mrs katy and the last time he was home he wrote out his views i haven't ever shown them to you doctor but i should be pleased to know what you think of them mr scudder was a good man with a clear head said the doctor and i should be much pleased to see anything that he wrote a flush of gratified feeling passed over mrs katy's face for one flower laid on the shrine which we keep in our hearts for the dead is worth more than any gift to our living selves we will not now pursue our party further lest you reader get more theological tea than you can drink we will not recount the numerous nice points raised by mr simeon brown and adjusted by the doctor and how simeon invariably declared that that was the way in which he disposed of them himself and how he had thought it out ten years ago we will not relate either too minutely how mary changed colour and grew pale and red in quick succession when mr simeon brown incidentally remarked that the monsoon was going to set sail that very afternoon for her three years voyage nobody noticed in the busy amenities the sudden welling and ebbing of that one poor little heart-fountain so we go so little knowing what we touch and what touches us as we talk we drop out a common piece of news mr so-and-so is dead miss such and one is married such a ship has sailed and lo on our right hand or our left some heart has sunk under the news silently gone down in the great ocean of fate without even a bubble Rising to tell its drowning pang, and this God help us is what we call living End of section five.